When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Good evening and welcome to the show. As always, my name is Rory. And this is the Anglo-Italian pod, and I am joined by my very good friend, Adam. Hey, Rory, it's been a very good weekend, despite the Lineker gate that seems to be taking place across politics and football in the UK. But more importantly, mate, seems like you had a really good time in Bologna. How was your weekend? Oh man, it was great. I'll tell you what, I need to actually say thanks to the missus because she decided yeah. not to go to Bologna Lazio and I think we dodged a bullet. <laughs> yes. Even if it had been like a six-goal thriller, I would have had to like pay for dinner and be like, you know, I'm, thank you for coming to the football. If I'd have taken her to a nil-nil, I think I'd still be paying for the next four <laughs> weekends away. But yeah. it was beautiful. Bologna was really, really great. I just cannot tell you how great the food is in that city like italy obviously the food's amazing in italy right like it just it it is emilia romagna is like even italians say that's where the best food's from right and i had like this tagliatelle al ragu which was just unbelievable and then i had lasagna the next day which is basically the same thing with ragu but it was just honestly the food was amazing i just if you're ever going to go to italy and do a bit of a tour i think bologna is definitely like on the list to do the city is like really chill, quite small, so you can walk around it. It's a super alternative city as well. It's like one of the most left-wing yeah. cities in Italy, so that could be a warning <laughs> or a welcome, depending <laughs> where you, where you sit, I suppose. Yeah. But super alternative, super chill. We did a bit of a night out as well, like which um, for us is a bit like um, it's a bit of a rarity these days. But we did a bit of a night <laughs> out. It was nice. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. I would definitely it's- recommend Bologna, and the weather was incredible it's like 25 degrees or something on a saturday so it was crazy i had to do the training for work but i was desperate to get where the where the seminar was i could see a bar through the window and there's people just drinking beers in the sun and i was like god damn it i just want to be out there but it was a good weekend it was a good weekend how was your weekend man? how did the sleepover go 
Oh, mate, it was delightful. Bliss at Sunday when it was waking up at 5 a.m. Trying, oh. trying to tell them to shut the fuck up. I mean, yes, <laughs> it was those kind of vibes. Oh, and then trying to, uh, it was just the fact that we were so excited, basically, seeing yes. each other and basically been doing those kind of things. And I have to reminisce about my times. I'm sure I pissed off my various parents. Well, exactly. So it's my due now. It's payback, I assume. But um, yes, it was still... <laughs> It was still enjoyable, but in contrast to your weather, it's getting very cold here. I've had to Ooh. reinvest in a new jacket because my jacket that I've taken to uh, watch my little boy for play football in, unfortunately, I've started to notice a few more holes, not caused by my weight or anything, just the fact <laughs> that it's just developing holes. Oh, God. So it is delightful in that manner. So I've got a new coat. I am donning the Arsene Wenger style jacket now. Nice. It's a big sleeping bag. Mate, it is lush. It is lush for this weather right now. I mean, in contrast to your 25 degrees, it's more like two degrees, three degrees oh. here. So, yes. Um, you just need to start shouting about You just need to start shouting about <laughs> gig and pressing and stuff on the line now <laughs> yeah. and start giving tactical advice. And try and realize how to zip up my jacket, right? Yeah. And, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. Look, right. <laughs> That's it. Exactly. That's it. Nice. Well, we've kind of talked about it. I think we should address it in this part of the show, really, before we get into the proper football. But Okay. It was easy to forget that football was on this weekend as all the noise that surrounded um, BBC, Match of the Day, Gary Lineker, etc. Um, we kind of talked about it on Thursday. We didn't know at that point, I think, that it would escalate to the point that it did. No. It felt very like the world was going <laughs> to end. Um, but today, breaking news, kind of, is that Gary Lineker yeah. has said that he will be back on Match of the Day. BBC have not made him apologise. They have not made any changes to his contract. They've just said, will you come back, please? Um, I think, thankfully, common sense has prevailed. It doesn't often nowadays, but common sense no. seems to have prevailed. And hopefully it'll set a bit of a, I don't know, it was a bit of a wake-up call for a lot of people, I think, especially BBC in terms of people being able to voice their opinions and yeah. how the government react to the people voicing their opinions. Now, again, we're not a politics podcast, I do love talking about politics, but I think it's just very good to see the government called out on their bullshit and people being able to voice their opinions without any repercussions. How did you feel about it? Yeah, def definitely agree with that sentiment. And I feel like uh, if you can't express an opinion without being vilified, then clearly it's not really being impartial, are you? And the fact that they like to highlight the likes of, say, Alan Sugar and he's... Mm -hmm gets away with it quite often. Uh, we'll talk about Alec, uh, Alex McNeil as well, isn't it? Andrew McNeil, even, sorry, yeah, on yeah, yeah. politics show. Um, even Jeremy Clarkson, he said yeah. some controversial things in the past. And they, like, he has. He has. Yeah. In the past. Yeah. So I think it's the BBC starting to understand that actually they can't kind of dictate the way they have. It's interesting that they've got an independent panel being brought in to kind of look at their policy, shall we say. I'm sure it's yes. going to go one way. Um, so yeah, it'll be very interesting, but I've got no time for the BBC these days anyway. Mm -hmm. And I'm contemplating why I pay a TV license because I don't know what I get out of it instead of yeah. like 
this kind of circus i suppose but anyway mate um yeah i think that's enough of that i, I don't really yeah it's good to, to see on it too much no exactly it's good to see that that chapter is kind of being closed a little bit and Garrett, we can all go back to watching match of the day again next weekend exactly. i did we do also have to very quickly talk about that tory mp's tweet about oh god um, that was this terrible. one had all the goals what was it it had all the goals and i got out just in time for last orders in the pub the most yeah. irritating thing about this weekend has been people who don't watch football pretending they watch football it's really really fucking irritating really irritating oh did you see the footy last night like the alan partridge thing like did you see the game <laughs> yeah. last night which one i don't know <laughs> like, just... go soccer basically <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was by far the most annoying thing this weekend but hopefully we can just draw a line under it and it's all gone it's all done we actually have football to talk about it's been a pretty big weekend um we're gonna have premier league action we've got arsenal light work down at Craven Cottage. Beautiful to see. Man City scraping the win in a 1-0 against a backs-to-the-wall job from Crystal Palace. Mm. Of course, Liverpool following up a 7-0 with a 1-0 loss. Um, Casemiro red cards. Chelsea back in the groove. A lot to talk about in the Premier League. Serie A, Adam, what happened in Serie A? Some crazy results started off on Friday evening where Spezia caused a bit of a shock by beating Inter Milan 2-1. Well-deserved for Spezia. Uh, Napoli back to winning ways, uh, winning 2-0 against Atalanta, albeit it did take about 60 minutes before we saw a wonder goal by Kfarat Skelia. Um, The other highlights, obviously Roma being Roma. And no more, mm. no more they demanded. Unfortunately, they got lots of goals in the process, some incredible goals in the process. And we'll mm-hmm. be talking about one strike in particular because we've got a question that's come in for us. But also then VAR coming to the rescue this time for Juventus, I'm afraid, Rory. Um, a very debatable call. Um, Sampdoria mm-hmm. scoring two more goals than I anticipated, shall we say. Um, but yes, in the process. And somehow Rory... You set the conundrum. We have to be better than the Salernitana and AC Milan match that's happening right now. I know, so I know. Real dynamic that we have to play. We have but to before, bring the heat. If it, if before it helps. we do that, before we do that, I want to call this story. I don't know. It's not necessarily a story, but I think it was a funny moment. I don't know if you've seen it, Rory. But William Viali, who is the manager of Consenza, he celebrated mm. the win in style against Spal by uh, doing a overhead volley as the ball came to him at full time it was epic and for those that haven't seen it i will retweet it after the show so you can see it for yourself but it was beautiful (laughs) rory beautiful um but on that note shall we go into the football i think we should do it so guys we are going to take a very quick break and we are going to do some premier league action right after this And here we are. It's time for the Premier League review. We're fighting over the button, Adam. There you go. <laughs> we are. Premier League review. And I think we should probably start at Dorset. Should we start in Dorset as Bournemouth? Well. Is it Dorset? I think it's Dorset. Dorset. It is Dorset, yeah. yes. As we beat, I'm, my knowledge of English counties is terrible. As Bournemouth beat Liverpool 1-0 in the most predictable result do you think i i don't know i i don't know how surprised i was by this i think obviously liverpool just coming off a seven nil on thursday i did say okay i think liverpool are getting back to where they are but what's their problem been this year consistency um how did you see this game 
um, and then I'll give my two cents. Well, I was bloody annoyed with Liverpool because I put two of their plays in my fancy football team and it ruined me, mm-hmm. absolutely mm-hmm. ruined me. Um, for that reason, I hate Liverpool now after what they did to Man United and then gave me false hope. So let alone, I don't know what their fans are going through. But to be fair, Bournemouth did have an incredible performance against them. Uh, billing again on the score sheet. This time it wasn't within 60 seconds. It was a little bit longer. It was 30 minutes um, to be precise. Um, but yeah, they seem to just shut up shop. And despite the fact that they obviously conceded a penalty, Salah's penalty miss. I mean, I don't know what you make of it, but that was an incredible miss. I didn't think it was he could do that kind of level of missing. Mm-hmm. But um, I think there's more frustration on Klopp clearly being told on him. Um, it kind of is a bit of a worry because if you look at their run going ahead, they've got some big games. We did mention it on the last pod, but it's not going to be pretty. Obviously, Arsenal are one of those teams that have to go up to a Liverpool. They could have a say in this title race because they've also got to play Man City. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Chelsea are in that mix as well of fixtures. So, Rory, I mean, what did you make of that performance? I thought it was really what we've seen from Liverpool, a lack of mm. consistency, a lack of cutting edge up front. I feel like like United, obviously, they were fantastic, but it was they were accommodated by United as well, right? And I feel like this yeah. was a Bournemouth team that have just come off a great performance against Arsenal, narrowly lost, and are a bit more rigid in defence than United, or at least on <laughs> yeah. that day. And I think what we saw was the Liverpool stuttering, and the second it didn't mm. start, it started not going their way, you could see them panicking a bit. And then I think mm. the second Salah missed that penalty, they were like, oh, it's not our day. Now, that was a terrible penalty. I think Salah just completely lashed at it. It went wide, high and wide. Mm. Like, it was a really terrible penalty. And I just think we saw, yeah, that... Like, Liverpool, when it's going well, or when it start, when it when it's... Yeah, when it's going well, they can continue going well. But when it starts not going well, we mm. see them start to panic a little bit or just yeah. run out of ideas or stutter. And I think that's what we saw. Bournemouth, incredible performance. I think Billing is having a hell of a season. Now, he's now got yeah. six goals and an assist for a team that do not score many goals. No. For a team that, like... And he's only 25 years old. I think he's a player that could definitely, like... If Bournemouth do go that way, he's definitely Premier League quality. I think his his runs from deep, his ability to dictate play, his passing is very good. He's physically, he can compete with anyone. I think like he's really, really a very good Premier League player. Like Bournemouth have only scored what twenty five goals. He's got six of them. And he's a central mm. midfielder. If you know what I mean. Like I think it's not. Like, he's having a very good season. So I think, yeah, great to see that. I was really impressed by Watara as well, who was a player they brought in in January, I think, from Lorient. I think that's that guy. They got him from Lorient. Okay. Um, and he's been absolutely... I thought he had an incredible performance as well, really lively on the, ring, on the wing, really able to cause a lot of problems. I think, like... What we've seen from Bournemouth in the last two performances is against two of the top sides, two really battling, disciplined... Um, and like exciting displays. It's not like they just, I I know against Arsenal, they did try to sit back in Liverpool. They did sit back, but attacking on the break, they are able to cause Mm. problems. And I think what we're seeing is a team that are maybe just getting that little bit of fight, showing a bit of fight. The, the the question is, are they going to then do it when they play against Everton on the last day of the season? I think it is. Or are they going to yeah. do it when they play against the teams that are around them? Because that's when you have to do it. Like It's mm. kind of easier to raise your game against the big boys when you've kind of got nothing to lose. But when it's yep. a game that 
people kind of think you should be winning, that's where it's a bit harder to do that. So I think that's where the real test for them is. But this is mm. a huge win for them. I think Everton will be very happy they won this weekend because Bournemouth could have been the biggest winners of this weekend because not many other teams around there won. Um, and we, we'll get onto the relegation battle. It is crazy tight yes, down there. And I think we are in for a last day of the ages. Like, this is going to be crazy. Mm. Um, but a huge, huge win for Bournemouth. And I was I was happy for Gary O'Neill because I think he he obviously did such a good job as a caretaker. Came in, mm. was struggling a little bit, and it feels like he's starting to turn it around again a little bit and just get a little bit of his own idea across. The players are buying into it. Really good to see. Um, Liverpool, yeah, just no consistency. You don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Like last week after they beat United seven 0 I was like, oh fuck, we've got to go to Anfield. And now I'm like, oh, okay, we've got to go to Anfield. Like it just you mm. do not know what you're going to get. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I think that's that's the probably frustrating bit after this kind of last few games where it seemingly felt like they were getting back to a groove. They were challenging for this top four. I even thought, you know, after this weekend, I thought we'd expect to see Newcastle drop out of it. Um, but they managed to get a win against Wolves, which was really important because that puts the pressure in that kind of mixture of clubs because you've got Spurs, you've got Liverpool, you've got Newcastle now really going for it and it'll be interesting obviously once these European games also go by the wayside because Spurs are now out of the Champions League obviously we've got to see what happens with Liverpool in the Champions League as well coming up against Real Madrid I know it's really a foregone conclusion for me anyway personally but you never know never know with this Liverpool side they might even pull it out the bag Rory um but yeah um just inconsistency as you allude to inconsistency never mind i think it was yeah they're still that's still get top four i think but the fact that tottenham won yeah. is very very annoying for them <laughs> very <laughs> annoying for them. um but we are going to leave liverpool versus Brighton. liverpool versus yep. brighton i'm looking at the table liverpool versus bournemouth <laughs> there and we're going to go on to leandro twassard the first the first player to get three assists in the first half of a Premier League game. My guy, what a signing. Holy crap. This guy is just unbelievable. I can't, I could not have wished for this signing to have gone any better. Seriously. Like, mm. he's now got six assists for us, I think it is, and a goal. Um, he should have had two goals because that one at Leicester, I'm still a bit yep. salty about. But... <laughs> <laughs> He's been unbelievable for us. And I think this is a real half for him. Like, like Mikel Arteta had a little, a few tricks up his sleeve. So before the game, he said that we would be without Gabriel Jesus, um, without Leandro Trossard and without Kieran Tierney. All three did play in this game. The mind games <laughs> are coming in, guys. The mind games yeah. are appearing. I think tr uh, Trossard just, we've talked about how much he brings out of Martinelli. But I think he's been an incredible replacement for Gabriel Jesus and Gabriel Jesus now has to fight for his place like I mm. don't think against um, Palace at the weekend we just automatically pick Jesus I think he's on the bench like and I think Trossard is able to do that job so well of that false number nine like the false nine dropping back bringing letting the other wingers come in and cut inside doing those little intricate plays and his mm. ability to play with both feet now when yes. we did the World Cup preview show with Sasha Tavolieri, the Belgian, um, the Belgian journalist, talking about Belgium, of course, he did mm. say, and I tended to agree with him, that Trossard is the closest player to Eden Hazard since Eden Hazard. And the more mm. I see him play, the more I tend to think about it and kind of agree. 
I think his ability to beat a man and his composure on the ball. Now, obviously, he's not hit the levels that Eden Hazard has quite hit yet, right? Let's be like, but I think he's a player in a very similar mold. And I think he's a player that could play in any team in the Premier League. I think like even mm-hmm. if if Man City had him, we'd be going, oh, fucking out another great player that they've got. If you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I think he plays yeah. in any team in this league. He has been incredible. Um, and the second goal, the Martinelli goal, is a 29-pass move with every yeah, player insane. on the pitch touching the ball. And Trossard just pitches that ball up across, just mm. drops it perfectly in Martinelli's head. Beautiful goal. I really expected us to make it a bit more difficult with Fulham. Now, for them, and I know he's a player you've been and we've been impressed with, Adam, how big a miss do you think Palinia was for Fulham? Because Adrian Durham's yeah. going to be fuming because we've had another slice of good luck. Uh, Palinia was out. <laughs> how big a difference do you think it made? He's a big player. He's been a big player for them this season. Um, definitely, I mean, if you think prior to that signature for Fulham, he was very big for Sporting Lisbon. Mm-hmm. Uh, real reason why Amarim was able to kind of win a title with Sporting in the first place, but also obviously that Champions League qualification as well. So he's done superbly to kind of get that kind of talent into that Fulham squad, settle down and be a really big contributor. I think it was definitely telling for me how much of an impact he has in front of that defensive line as well, yeah. because we were talking about the credentials of like Tim Ream, for example, but they were very much exposed, I felt. Um, and the amount of times that like Arsenal seemingly seemed to go really easy at that kind of centre line, they were being dragged. I mean, there was a number of times, I think it was Jesus almost scored a fourth at mm. one point. I think it was around the 89th, yeah. 85th yeah. minute, something like that. And that, that for me just kind of showed the, the vulnerabilities of Fulham when one player is out. And we knew with Fulham it wasn't going to last for a whole season. They've done superbly mm-hmm. well to get to this stage. But I think that's quite telling how one player has an impact on that squad and how much of a glue he is for the mm-hmm. way they play. So he he's a massive player to miss. Um, unfortunate, I suppose, for those that want Man City to win this title. Um, but yeah. Kudos. I mean, obviously, Arsenal did the job. I thought Odegaard had a very good game oh. again. You said a few weeks ago, this guy could be world-class. I started to sort of believe that in this match. I still want to keep myself a bit back yeah. and tie myself a bit back because I feel like I might be getting ahead of myself. But certainly the way he's demonstrating his growth, the fact that he's learning from mistakes and he's kind of making sure that he puts his impetus into games, even when they're not going his way. I think it's just maturity from the guy uh, mm-hmm. is incredible. Um, just overall, that performance was really well. When you consider Tierney hasn't been in that squad as well, that was very interesting. I mm-hmm. wanted to ask if you know anything about this Kivor story as well, because supposedly he was left out because of some actions that he did prior to the game itself. So it sounds like he's you've <sighs> had an altercation or just broken some rules. Do you yeah, there's not really been much said about it. It's just kind of there was an issue. I think Arsenal have got a lot better at keeping things in-house. Um yes. I think, look, he had a very difficult night on Thursday. Maybe he's played less football than he expected. Maybe there's a bit of impatience there. Maybe there was a bit of a falling out. I don't know. I think any potential issue there, Arteta will be able to deal with it. I trust him. In, I trust his man mm. management implicitly by this point. And I think um, 
he's a player that will play a big part at Arsenal in yeah. coming years. We've all seen how good he was at Spezia. I believe in that he will be good mm. enough. He just needs to be a little bit patient. I think he'll still get another run out against Sporting at home, and that's his chance to kind of show what he's um, what he's made yeah. of. But I'm sure, I'm sure it was nothing. When it, like all the the teams that do well, they have arguments. That's what happens, and yeah. then it's all swept under the car. It's all not swept under the carpet. It's brushed off. But, kind yeah. of it, everyone moves on, so I don't I don't expect much to come out of it. But talking about Erdegaard very quickly, I do want to also say there are only two teams in Europe's top five leagues that now have three players on ten goals or more. They are PSG and Arsenal. So that is Messi, <laughs> Neymar, and Mbappe, Erdegaard, Saka, and Martinelli. Unbelievable mm. how and now every outfield player has um has provided a goal we're just waiting for ramsdale to pitch in with one and we've got the full 11 we'll <laughs> wait until the last day of the season for that we'll see but i think it's just it's just been incredible how arteta's managed to get end product from all of these players mm. and seeing jesus back jesus is great at everything I think he's world class at everything except finishing. It's like the one thing there where is I'm that. like, Jesus, you need to finish that chance at the end. You need to, like, mm. that needs to go in the back of the net. And it's something that he's been guilty of before. And, like, even I'm so glad we've got him back. I can't wait to see him in full yeah. flow again. He makes us play such beautiful football. He's, I absolutely love watching him play. But I do think he's only got six goals for us this season. And I'm thinking you could have 10 or 12 with the chances you get. Easily. I think City fans always said the same as well. Just, that last finish is never quite there. But we're delighted he, to have yeah. you back. He's someone that creates a lot more goals mm-hmm. than necessarily he scores himself. So I think, yeah, you get in the best of both worlds with Jesus. Exactly. And I am I honestly so happy he's back. And this is like, we're heading into this running now with him back it's incredible yes. i didn't yeah. expect to have him but like i really thought we'd miss him more than we did but it's just extra strength now off the bench and i think i'm just so delighted and now we've got mm-hmm. palace at home we should do all right in that one and then the kind of tougher fixtures maybe start off we've got leeds southampton yeah. then we've got that bit of the rough run in april so we will see but we keep marching on we keep marching on elsewhere Haaland penalty, Palace battle bravely, but ultimately fail. Mm-hmm. Palace haven't had a shot in target now in about four games of football, five games of football. It is grim watching there with yep. a squad that has Eze and Olise. And I know he's not had the best start to his life in the Premier League, but even odds on Edouard, I think it's a very good player. The strength of this Palace team, I would argue, is the attacking talent. We'll talk about City, but do you think there's starting to be question marks about Vieira and his conservatism here? I, I, the thing is, I see a lot of Crystal Palace fans currently online that kind of fight his corner. And the reason why that is taking place is because they don't feel the board have necessarily supported Vieira this season Um, because there's definitely been shouts for reinforcements, but the board clearly haven't backed him. So is that a case of they're trying to be a bit more conservative on the budget front to ensure that they've got enough money for the foreseeable, should we say? Um, I do worry about Palace at the moment. We spoke about it on the last pod. We said about the amount of points they could potentially scoop up in their fixture list going into the end of the season. I will stick with my kind of bets and say I think they will still get around seven to eight points before the end of the season. Is that enough? I don't know. Um, but my 
big worry is, I suppose, that they haven't got really anyone that's firing at the moment. Mm. They haven't got anyone that kind of shows that. And I think you have to f- kind of say this game was a you know freebie in that sense. It wasn't going to be games potentially that they would necessarily be expected to get anything out of it. Um, and you could see that by the way they played. I mean, although they've got the attacking players, they've largely absorbed a lot of pressure. Man City were at them. Uh, Haaland should have probably scored a lot more, in fairness, prior to that penalty shout. Um, Grealish also unlucky a few occasions. Mm-hmm. Um, this City side were there with intent. They were clearly there to try and make sure they scored more than one. Um, but... Yeah, there is a worry with Palace and I kind of feel for Vieira because I don't think it's fair on him. I think he gets the best out of the plays he's got at his disposal, unfortunately. It's just the kind of situation you're in is that a striker that can score you at least a minimum of 10 or 15 goals is very hard to come by. And if they do exist, you're having to buy a premium at the moment and they're mm-hmm. largely untested because they might be at smaller sides in, say, Ligue 1 or Bundesliga, maybe even Serie A to an extent. So I think there is a huge gamble. When you think about Skamaka and how much he costs West Ham and how much he's actually produced for them, and I, I feel there's there's different reasons for that, why he's not performing. Yeah. But, I mean, ultimately, we're talking about those kind of players. That's the kind of cost. I wonder personally, and I don't know about you, do you think Chris Palace have that kind of money? Because it doesn't feel like they've got necessarily that amount of money. No, I think, well, they're very much a club that's put a lot of their money into the academy. So they know where yeah. they where they want, like the direction they want to go yeah. in. They want to be creating their own players, selling them on and kind of having that sustainable model, which I think is fantastic. They are like, their academy setup is incredible. They've just upgraded it. Mm-hmm. It looks amazing. And they are getting that huge pool of talent we were talking about the pool of talent in paris south london has gotten like mm-hmm. all again Incredible. all the good exciting young english players coming through a lot of them are from south london and they're all getting like the palace are trying really hard to get those in so i think that's a really great direction that they're going in i think yeah they've not spent a lot of money i don't think like the owner has, has got billions if you know what i mean i think he's just like yeah. a guy who loves the club with a, a bit of money yeah, exactly. um and I think they've done well in the transfer market. You look at like Joachim Anderson and like yeah, exactly. Gway. These aren't bad players. These are good players. I just think they've got, they just need a little bit more quality around it. Like you said, I think like Conor Gallagher, if they'd have got him, that would have been huge. Cause I think mm-hmm. he was such a key part of such a key part of that team. I think if they'd been, they'd have been able to get a deal for him that really could have pushed them on. Cause last yeah. season they were, they did really, really well. And I think they just weren't able to quite replace him. The guy they brought in from France, whose name has completely slipped my mind. Decore has been really good, but mm. he's adapted to the Premier League. If you know what I mean, it's going to take a yeah. time. So I think there's still a lot of the players that brought in, I think, do have quality, which makes me wonder about, like, with Patrick Vieira, I think, obviously, I love him, right? Obviously. Mm-hmm. But yeah, clearly. I think, well, he's not helping himself in some games. So obviously, City, if you go gung ho against City, you're going to get slapped 6 0. I know exactly. what he's like. You have to try and be conservative. But I think there's other games that they've played recently where he's been conservative when they could have gone for it a bit more and you could mm. have kind of utilized that talent a little bit more. So I think he's maybe caught between two stools of being like because they're kind of on the fringes of the relegation battle yeah exactly he's caught between the thing of like okay do we just take a point and be like okay right we've got Mm. a point that's fine or do we kind of act like we're not in trouble and just try and go for games i think he's kind of caught between those two things but they are getting sucked into it and they've now lost four in a row i think three in a row um and drawn 
they've lost the last two, drawn the three before that. Like they've not won in a very, very long time. So I think it's key for him to try and get just something now. I'm just going to check who their next game is against. Um, they do have, I don't think it gets any easier for them. Brighton away. No. Um, then they've got Arsenal away, Leicester at home. Like the, the fixtures don't. Leicester and Leeds. Yeah, we said it, didn't we? Southampton. Yeah. yeah, they kind of got a few games just after Brighton and Arsenal where maybe you could think we can get something. But yeah, it's they need to pull something out because it is crazy tight down there. Um, but we're going to leave. Anything else to say? Um, City. Oh, I do also think City. Is there a reason to worry about them being so wasteful in front of goal? I feel like this this and the Forest game, and they're missing a lot of chances. Yeah, I've seen this kind of analogy that they need to get rid of Haaland at the moment because they're obviously playing to Haaland, not used to a striker. But actually, when you take him out, they struggle to score themselves. Like yeah, This yeah. is the thing. It's been noticeable when Haaland was off that they couldn't score without him as well. So I don't necessarily believe that's the right analogy or right way they should play. I think Pep's just managing it at the moment. I think he's trying to get the best blend. But the whole Julio Alvarez situation where he, he seemed to be a bit disgruntled potentially, I think that didn't help matters. Um, and I, I, I do feel that, you know, if Man City are able to strengthen in the next window, then they probably will do. They need to potentially strengthen up, certainly just to be a bit more consistent with the whole team because defensively they haven't been necessarily their usual selves. I feel left-back is always an issue. Mm -hmm. They might as well just try Grealish at left-back just to see what will happen. Just see what happens. <laughs> just yeah. to see what happens. Um, but yeah, I just feel like the balance of play, there seems to be just something not right in that sense. Um, but I wouldn't be worried. I think if anything, it's good that you're creating chances because some teams crave that a team actually creates chances, a la mm -hmm. Southampton, yeah, yeah, etc. Yeah, yeah. They want to make sure that they're trying to create chances to score. So I'm not necessarily like worried. I wouldn't be worried if I was a City fan. I'd just be frustrated that you're not finishing more chances, potentially. That's all mm -hmm. you could say. But it will click. And when that does click, that's a really fearsome Man City side. They are creating a lot of chances. Yeah, I think you're right. The issue is when you're not creating chances, right? That is yeah. that is when the issues start. Nice. We're going to move on from City and we're going to go to the other side of uh, Manchester where Red Card Zamiro gets sent <laughs> off again. And this is a message to Adrian Durham, you gammon-faced melt. <laughs> Arsenal aren't the only team that didn't have to play against Casemiro. Nobody has to play against Casemiro because the guy's always suspended. We're going to go through his last 10 games. Now, I bookmarked this tweet because his last 10 Premier League games are absolutely hilarious. Now, let me find it. Um, I'm gutted Andy isn't here now. But so <laughs> it's it's suspended, sent off. Suspended, suspended, suspended. Lost 7-0, sent off. Suspended, suspended, suspended. He has the only Premier League game he's played in recently has been the 7-0 loss. And this is now, a lot of people have been talking about how at Real Madrid, he only got two red cards in his entire time there, I think. Yeah, which is um, baffling in itself, to be fair, it, because he should have been sent off a lot more. But yeah. Yes, yeah, it is baffling. But do you think, now I... I saw a lot of people, a lot of United fans, very angry about this red card. I don't get why. It seemed a pretty nailed-on red card to me. He goes in with a high foot. I know he touches the ball first, but he does go in with a high foot and carry on through to the player. I think yeah. if that's against United, they're calling for a red card. I can't see any issue there. How did you feel about it? Yeah, I mean, I saw that 
trailing leg and I thought well that that's a red card regardless of whether you feel it's not it, it, it's a red card I can yeah. see the argument because there is a different clip from a different angle that kind of shows that he's just trying to prevent himself from sliding which okay momentum does take him I think there was a really random incident with Adnan Yanazai if you remember him okay. he was in a very similar situation where his trailing leg brings down a player in the box and he concedes a penalty and is sent off. And that looks less contentious because Yanazai is literally just stumbling forward. Unfortunately, he's just trailing leg, just happens to be in a position where it's not desirable. Um, but yeah, Casemiro, has, he, he, unfortunately, he's not controlled. That's the biggest mm. problem. He's never controlled with his actions. And that's ultimately why he's going to get red cards and he will continue to do that until he kind of gets to a point where he's not doing these stupid, like, tackle slides. I mean, this is the problem with him. There's always going to be that risk with him because of the way he plays the game. I think he will soon learn. And uh, look, remember the guys like Vieira and Roy Keane, they used to do that religiously and get sent off and be suspended. And until they controlled themselves, that's when you started to see them a bit more consistently and they played a lot more in the season for their teams. Um, Casemiro will just have to adapt and learn how to play his game in the Premier League. Unfortunately, we are a bit like that in the Premier League where every foul is going to be a little bit more contentious and it doesn't help with his temperament sometimes as well because do you remember that one against i can't remember palace was it where he obviously strangled real around the neck shoes, yeah around yeah, the neck yeah. he he's get, gets himself into this bother so sometimes it's not even him when he's tackling it's him when he's being an ass so unfortunately yeah. that's <laughs> always going to be an issue with casemiro yeah. um, but just as a word um i thought southampton did really well in this match. They were unlucky in the second half. I think De Gea and Juan Basaka kept them in the match yeah. numerous yeah, times, yeah, yeah. despite, I think it was the first half where largely it seemed like Man United were in control. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. second half, they were definitely hanging on, especially when Casemiro got sent off. Yeah, I think it's... It, Southampton, obviously, you're against 10 men. You'd expect them to kind of be more yeah. of the protagonists of the game, but I was really impressed. Exactly. I thought they played very well. Um, they probably deserve to win the game overall. I was really impressed mm -hmm. with Gavin Bazunu still, not just because he's Ireland's number one, but <laughs> because I thought he made some good saves as well. United yes, obviously still had created some good chances. And that Southampton team have got some really good players. Lavia in midfield as well is mm -hmm. a beautiful player to watch. Yeah. Just, yeah, a very good performance from them. They will be gutted they didn't get that goal. James Ward prowse his free kick was about as close as you could get, I think. Like, yeah. it's the first time I've seen a knee slide for a goal not going in. He, like, <laughs> knee slid, like, oh, like, it was quite funny. But, um, yeah, unlucky Southampton. But I think it's interesting with Casemiro because I think he's being asked to do more. I think he's at yeah. Real Madrid. He didn't have to do everything in midfield. And for now, at the moment, he has to do everything at United. He has to do all the defensive yeah. work and get the ball out of midfield. And I think he's being asked to fight too many fires. He needs... He's an incredible player, obviously, but he needs he someone, needs someone there beside him, doesn't he? Because he's having to throw himself all over the place because mm. if he doesn't do it, nobody else does. And I think what you're ultimately doing is just, yeah, you're missing him for more games now. The yep. the big thing is he's going to be missing the, the FA Cup game against Fulham, which I think now makes that, I think Fulham Harder. could go through yeah. that game now. Um, mm -hmm. 
the Europa League, obviously, he'll still be able to play, but they're going to be they're four one up anyway. I don't know if you're going to play. You're, you're going to play yeah. him now. Just to well, you're going to have to play him just to rest the other players. I feel <laughs> yeah. like, but I think it's kind of and the three games United have got now just coming up. I think he could be pretty key in all of them. Like they've got coming up, they've now got um, Bright uh, no Fulham at home in the FA Cup. Then they've got Newcastle away, Brentford at home, and Everton at home. Now, apart from Everton at home, I think Newcastle away and Brentford at home could be tricky games without um, Casemiro. So I think he's out for yeah. three games. That could mean that all of a sudden, now obviously United are going to finish top four, right? But it would it could lead to them fighting for third spot, if you know what I mean. Like, mm-hmm. so I think it's it's three big games that he's missing there, um, and it will be. If you're a United fan, you'd be really fucking annoyed, I think. Um, there was also a very little shout. Again, I wasn't convinced by it for a penalty on Rashford. I thought no, Rashford was no, absolutely sorry. looking for that, right? Yeah, that was clear that Rashford was diving there. Mm-hmm. I was a bit gutted that Rashford decided to dive. Yeah. There was no yeah, need for it, to be honest. So from that point of view, I think he lost a few points there. Um, but yeah, certainly from an Olympic point of view, it wasn't a bad dive, really, to be fair. Um, but just, uh, six, just not enough 6.5? <laughs> yeah. 5.5. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. give, <laughs> give it a 5.5. We'll give it a 5.5. Better luck next time, Marcus. Um, we're going to move on from Old Trafford. I did enjoy watching that game, I'll be honest, of watching the highlights. Um, <laughs> and... McNeil in a minute, absolute banger of a goal. That's what he's capable of once in a blue moon. But it was a beautiful hit. No mm-hmm. toffees crowded in at the mental health hub outside at all time, <laughs> I think. Maybe just to calm the nerves, not to, you know, Maybe. talk them off a cliff edge. But I think as a Brentford team, the last thing you want is to concede in the first minute and then be 1-0 down to a Daesh team, right? It's exactly, like the last yes. thing you want. Um, but huge win for Everton, right? Absolutely huge. Again, in a weekend where not many teams around them won, this could be massive. Um, what did you think of Everton's performance? Who stood out for you? Uh, well, I don't know about necessarily who stood out because I thought it was quite a collective performance. I thought they played all quite well in their respective roles. And as you allude to, it's very difficult once you are one behind, how are you going to break that team, especially with the now of uh, Thomas Franks even. Um, but yeah, I thought they were quite compact in that middle of the park, didn't let much in terms of like attacking flow for Brentford. They did score a second, although it was judged to be handball on this occasion, so unlucky there. Um, but yeah, McNeil, I think, was the star in this game. Um, again, he's kind of showing that promise that we knew he had at Burnley, just wasn't able to flourish necessarily. He's back with Sean Dyche that may have just seen that he's got a bit more freedom. It allows him to kind of do those kind of things. And I think that's really pivotal for his career as well, because I think there was a lot of doubts at the beginning of the season, whether he's just a one-man kind of trek pony mm-hmm. in that sense, in that like he's not really delivering as much as a lot of people kind of looks. And when you think about the amount of money they spent on him as well, especially given uh, Bernie's f- financial issues recently as well, that's been brought to mm-hmm. light as well. Um yeah, I think it's a good performance. I didn't anticipate this to be the way of Everton. We both said, I think, Brentford yeah. would win this. Um, so they've proved us wrong, and it shows 
never believe the Anglo-Italian podcast no, when it exactly. comes to predictions. Definitely do not believe us. Always it take it with a big old pinch of salt. But I do also <laughs> yeah. want to very quickly say, I think it's very good. It's very interesting that Daesh is getting a tune out of the two ex-Burnley players. So like McNeil starting yeah. to feel revitalized a little bit. And Tarkovsky did an incredible job against yeah. Tony. I think really kept him very quiet. Tarkovsky obviously scored the win against Arsenal as well. Scored another goal, I think. He's got mm -hmm. two now maybe. Um, yeah. And I feel like Daesh is really getting like those... We've interviewed managers in the past where they've talked about, you know, having players that you've worked with before is such a big thing because they know yeah. what you expect. They can tell everyone else and they can thrive under you. And that's what we're seeing at Everton now. I think those are two really key players for them. But playing 4-5-1 at home kind of says everything. <laughs> I think I was looking at the formation. I'm bloody hell, Sean. Um, but yeah, it was definitely the second he scored that first one. He was like, right, guys, you know the drill. No more goals. Um, but yeah, huge, huge win for Everton. In the relegation picture before we do a very quick roundup of the other games in yeah. the Premier League. Now, all the way down from oh, 20th up to 12th are split by five points. It incredible. is incredible how tight this uh, relegation battle is going to be. On Thursday, we're going to look at it a bit more in depth in terms yeah. of who plays who and kind of get, maybe we'll do a game-by-game -game prediction, see who we think goes down, but it is crazy tight down there. And any of those teams now, like it feels like goal difference is going to be absolutely huge. Like every goal is going to count for all of these teams. Now every draw is going to be massive. Like it is going to be by the finest of margins. I think yeah. of who goes down. Um, we, we could even get head to heads. Like when you've got 18th up to like 18th, 17th, 16th, all on the same points. It's just madness. Absolute madness. Yeah. Um, if I was Bournemouth, I'd be worried about like goal difference though. I'm Forest, bloody hell, minus 26 goal <laughs> difference. Everyone else is kind of on like, you know, 10, 11, 18. I know. 26 is a big one, isn't it? Minus 26, bloody hell. But um, elsewhere in the Premier League, very quickly, just wanted to give a shout out to, let me get the results back. Um, Bamford scoring an absolute banger. Um to yeah, in a two-all draw against Brighton. Leeds looking a lot better, I think, against yeah. Brighton. A bit of battle there, right? I think so. Xavi Garcia is definitely getting a bit more out of this squad, I think. Uh, a bit more tactical now, so I would call it, because um, mm -hmm. at one point it seemed like Brighton were going to run away with this. Um, but yeah, I think he's starting to calm it down a bit, get like kind of a few results on the go. I appreciate this was only a draw, but that's enough in this kind of conditions. Like against a team like Brighton that have been doing superbly well so far in this kind of half of the season, I think that's a very good point against them. So yes, very good, good result by Leeds. And I can feel like they're going to build on that. I appreciate they're still in the relegation zone, mm -hmm. but as you alluded to, there's only a couple of points in it. It can go either yeah. way each game week. Exactly. I do also have to say Jack Harrison's goal is an absolute banger as well. Leeds just scoring two yeah. beautiful goals. That Alexis McAllister. Well. Yeah, Alexis McAllister <laughs> with his ninth goal of the yeah, season. Unbelievable season he's having. Um, Leicester won Chelsea three. Uh, Voot Fires getting sent off in the 87th minute. Pats and Daka scoring an unbelievable goal Ooh, here. That was but a good goal. The goal of the game, I was tied between Kai Havertz and Mateo Kovacic. Now, ha Kovacic. Havertz is a beautiful little chip, right? Cheeky mm. little dink over the keeper. Yeah. But I, Kovacic's bicycle kick outside of yes. the foot finish, I really enjoyed it. I think that was my favorite. 
Yeah, definitely, definitely. I also like Chilwell's just for silencing the Leicester City crowd that clearly were going to give him jip just because he's an ex-Leicester City player. But I think he craves that half the time. You could tell he's like, the kind of player that yeah. loves the attention when it comes to those games, right? So It feels yeah, like but, this isn't the first time he scored against Leicester as well. I'm pretty sure. I, when he scored, I was like, I'm pretty sure he scores against them every time he plays them. But I didn't have time to research that fact. So let's say <laughs> he does. Um, yeah. Tottenham beat Forest 3 one they had their best first half of the season as they scored two goals harry kane 19th and of course the penalty that harry kane also yeah. gets um son hung min getting the third and joe warrell with one at the end forest yeah. just away they're just absolute Terrible. toilet um elsewhere west ham won ollie watkins one mm -hmm. um <laughs> emery is getting a hell of performances out of ollie watkins it feels like he's really kicked yeah. on since umai unai took over right i feel like he's given him a bit more of a direction since he shipped off ings for example clearly saw that wasn't working out right so and in a talent like watkins i actually feel he flourishes best when he hasn't got anyone around him as such like mm. he doesn't need to be forced into a partnership he actually works better when there's attacking supply someone that's able to kind of give him something to work on and he's clearly showing that worth I, that's the reason why i've had him in my fancy football team mm -hmm. for such a long time i've been like kind of looking do i get rid of him no i think he'll score in that game and constantly every week i'm evaluating whether i keep him and for that reason he stays in it because he's yeah. developing and he's showing these kind of performances the only thing i think emery has to work on is that defense which he can't seem to really yet work sounds out. familiar yeah, sounds, sounds fucking fair. familiar. <laughs> yeah, it sounds but... really bloody familiar. Um, no, I think he's got Ollie Watkins doing in that just free role in the front yeah, three. Exactly. And he's able to bring in Buendia and Leon Bailey. And he's able to just bring everyone else in. I think he's really like, his build-up play is really impressive. I think all mm -hmm. round he's a very, very good player, Ollie Watkins. It, I think he kind of went missing a little bit under Gerrard and... Well, many players well, did, but it's yeah. it's good to see him kind of it's good to see him get back to his best. I'm really, really exactly. delighted. Hopefully he could be rewarded with an England call-up. You never know. Um yeah. and then the last game we need to talk about West uh nope, we've talked about that one. Newcastle two, Wolves one, Almiron scores to get the winner. And Nick Pope, should he have been sent off? It looked like a bit of a mad one, that. I think so. I think so. Yeah. Unfortunately, he just got the virtue of, I think, the VAR assistant maybe not buying it, potentially. Mm -hmm. I think he sees the Wolves player going a bit too easily down. And I yeah. think if that's someone else, potentially not making it look as so much as a dive as the Wolves player did, then I think there's an opportunity. Yeah. I did feel the game was a bit boring at times, it has to be said. Wolves did play quite well. Second half was much better game than the yeah. first half for sure. Um, but otherwise, generally, it was one of those that Newcastle seemed comfortable. Isak, for example, that goal, well taken. But there's a moment before that where Wolves goes the other end, and I think they have a better chance if they convert that. Could be a different story. Uh, Lopetegui, probably a bit gutted that he didn't get a point, especially mm. after that Trippier kind of assist as well. But yes. these things happen. These things happen. And I think Wolves will be safe still by the end of the season. Yeah, and they'll be a much better side last year, uh, next year, I think. Yes. Um, Midweek, we do have on Wednesday night, we've got Southampton taking on Brentford and we've got Brighton taking on Palace in the rivalry, not a mm. derby. So two kind of interesting games midweek. Yeah, Um and two massive games for Southampton and Palace. Ruddy mm. hell. Um, but we are going to leave the Premier League there for now, I think. And we're going to go 
continental side as we head over to Serie A. I'm pretty excited to talk Serie A this weekend. I cannot wait. Honestly, it was incredible. Roma, Roma, Roma. What have you done? God damn it. (laughs) We will see you on the other side. Hi, I'm David Wheeler and you're listening to the Anglo-Italian podcast. Ciao, benvenuti. Welcome (laughs) to the Serie A review. And there is only one stadium place that we can start in. And now Sassuolo have scored five at the San Siro (laughs) against Milan and four against Roma. Sassuolo, what are you? How are they doing this? It was incredible, right? Yeah, the Nero Verdi had another incredible result here. Um, and I I don't really know what how you describe this match because it was a series of mistakes, but also Sassuolo deserved this. But also mm-hmm. Roma bring themselves superbly back into this match, despite having a player sent off in typical Mourinho fashion. It never goes straight forward. And then an interesting introduction in terms of a sub, which I'll talk about later, but... I mean, Loriente, we have to talk about as well because we have got a question that's come in for us. But if we, before we do that, I mean, like this guy is superb. The amount of money they spent on him. And, you know, when you think about they sold Hamed Traore to Bournemouth, bought this guy in, and he's just gone in there with no issues, adapted really quickly. And in typical Sassuolo fashion, he's the next big thing to potentially mm-hmm. leave the club. Um, but you still got the likes of Berardi still doing it, for example. Fratese, for example. They've got an incredible squad, Rory. Um, I don't know what you describe this Roma performance, but it feels like, yeah, after that kind of momentum where they'd gone five games without conceding a goal, they just didn't turn up for this one. Um, and it was a bit lackluster, I think, at times. What did you make of the performance by Roma first? I thought it was very, very dis- disorganised from a defence that mm. we've we've seen. Again, you've said, didn't concede a goal at Stadio Olimpico for four or five games, right? Won all those, obviously. Um, and I think it was just a lot of the goals. It was just very slow to react. I think Sassuolo have got this really good, and they had it, they last had it with Raspadori, Berardi and Scamacca, where you'd get the really short, intricate, quick passes, mm. Ooh, hitting the microphone, um, <laughs> short, intricate, quick passes in like around and in, in and around the box. And I feel like they started, they had that back again and Roma were just really slow to react. All the, defenders kind of felt like they were watching it and just kind of on their heels a little bit, yeah. especially the, I want to say the second goal in particular, I think it was, I was watching, I was like, someone moved, someone moved and just yeah. no one moved. I think it was, maybe we're seeing Sassuolo in full flow and they're quite, it's quite a lot to handle when they're in full flow. I think yeah. it's really great to see because Dionisi, I think they didn't have a great start to the season. It looked like they were going to get dragged into the relegation battle, but Hey, winning away at Milan and away at Roma is two huge yeah. results and scoring so many goals while you're at it. And like, yeah, Roma definitely didn't help themselves. Like the Kumbulla red card was just oh. idiotic. I also think there's an argument for Bernardi getting yeah. sent <laughs> Lashing off out. if yeah. Kumbulla gets sent off because he does kick out at him as well. Mm. Um, so I think Roma fans can rightfully be a little bit annoyed. But the bigger issue wasn't that red card. They were already losing no. at that point, I'm pretty sure. Exactly. Um, so I think it's more about just, yeah, that 
maybe with this Roma squad, they get a big result. They start to hit a bit of form. They take the foot off the gas and then this happens. Um, but I think most of the credit has to go, if not all the credit has to go to Sassuolo because they just made it like th- that stadium is an intimidating place to go to. Mm, it's sold definitely. out. They've been in good form. And you turned up and just go, no, we're going to play the football. We're going to play. Laudiente is, every time he scores, it's so annoying now because one of my mates on Fanta Calcio, I wanted to buy Chiesa <laughs> off him, right? I wanted right. to buy Kiers off him. I was like, how much would I have to give you for Kiers? And he was like, mate, there's no one else I want. He was like, why don't you just get Laudiente? The guy looks class. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't get him. And now I really wish I'd got him <laughs> because Austin yeah. has stopped scoring. <laughs> like, shit. Um, <laughs> but so every time he scores, it's really a little bit annoying. But unbelievable player. 10 million from Lorient. And it yeah. looks like they're going to flip him in six months. Like, and exactly. they'll double, they'll double, triple the money they paid for him. Unbelievable. And I think he's just so composed in front of goal. A really beautiful finish is mm-hmm. his dribbling, his close control. What a player. Just absolutely he, beautiful he, to watch. Like, even that assist for Pinamonte as well. Mm-hmm. Just that intricate pass through. And Pinamonte just dinks it over Patizio as well. He's a very good striker, Pinamonte, as well. He's a striker he's that people have been. They've they've been mm. excited about it for a while. I think he's the guy that came from Inter, right? Had a few years yeah, down in Inter. Serie B. Spent yeah. spent last season at Empoli, for example, scoring mm-hmm. a few goals down there. And I think there was kind of that feeling that he wasn't kind of Inter standard, shall we say? Yeah. Not that kind of. <laughs> yeah, we'll get onto that. I mean, minute. look, yeah. Correa is not brilliant, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think there was a little bit more into the Pinamonte mm-hmm. move. Apparently, something about a player sleeping with is X or ex-partner oh, damn, something right. along those lines so i think there was a bit always something some drama right at inter <laughs> yeah, yeah. um but yeah it was incredible loriente i just feel like he's just the next thing that could easily fit in someone like an inter or an ac I, imagine I say, inter I mean, had him up front he's like almost exactly what they need it's insane this is it this is it's it. insane then, he won't yeah i think such i'm gonna just introduce happy, but... that question from yeah. nicolo Lopperini, who says does loriente deserve a transfer to a top italian club or potentially elsewhere in europe he's suggested as well um on this form alone definitely i could see him doing I, a job yeah. in the premier league let alone italian mm-hmm. clubs i think the worry is would italian clubs have the money and the funds to yeah. really do it i think, I think that's the issue the only club that you're looking at is, well, I don't know, not even Juve, is it? I don't know I who's got the money. If, like. if Napoli <laughs> Milan, were to maybe? sell Osimhen, then he could yeah, really Napoli's fill in for that, for example. Yeah. Um, but apart from that, Inter would be a really good suit for him. But I mm-hmm. just, I don't know. I'd, I get this feeling he's probably not going to go there because they've got a lot of issues with funds at the moment. They can't even get a team together. That's the problem. No, well, Zhang um, is in court in Hong Kong three times this month or something. I think I read well, online yeah, today. They've got a lot of issues going papers, on. Yeah, but I do think Lariente, I, I think Sassuolo fans will be hoping to hold on for him a little bit longer. And I think we yeah. might see him start next season with Sassuolo. I think, again, if he kicks on and continues to mm. do well for the beginning of next season, then teams will start to take, like, will start taking a serious look at him. I think he's obviously been amazing since he came into the league, yeah. but I think he maybe needs a little bit more time. See if it's a Piontek where yeah. it's just a hot streak or <laughs> yeah. if it is like this guy's like quality. If you know what I mean? So I think, yeah, maybe by next Christmas, we'll see him move. There you go. Sassuolo fans. I've given you a little bit of hope that you can keep on a little bit longer <laughs> because the guy is bloody good. Um, I would love to see him at Inter though. I think he's almost exactly what they need. Um, nice. So we're going to move on from 
um, the Roma-Sassuolo game. And we're going to go to... Should we go to Inter, seeming as we were talking Let's about them so Inter. much? Let's do um, Inter. Pazza Inter sempre, as they always manage to make it more difficult than they need to, losing away to Spezia 2-1. And they didn't even deserve to win this game, right? No, they didn't deserve to win it, even with Dumfries winning that penalty. They did not deserve that penalty alone. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, but yeah. I think Uncle Sharma, fan of the pods, really sums it nicely. When you saw the team sheet, you knew Inter were going to lose this match. And then clearly, when you've got Handanovic in goal as well, I mean, I was surprised to see that old man still like, donning from? the shirt. It was so random, so random. And I was going to say to you, as part of my summary of this particular game, that attempt to save the penalty reminded me of that meme of that robot diving. That's how... <laughs> like half a minute <laughs> later. Yeah, yeah exactly. It was Peter so Shilton in Italian night. <laughs> <laughs> but Spezia were really special. Augusto was mm. incredible. And Zola, another striker that could clearly Man. play elsewhere. And yeah. I was looking at his record, so... He's also scored 12 goals in 22 games. He is joint third in the goal-scoring charts at the moment, um, just behind Lataro and obviously awesome men at this moment in time. He's been injured but... for a long time as well. <laughs> exactly. He's been out for a while. He's not been playing and he's still scored <laughs> yeah. bloody 12 goals. Yeah, and you yeah, can yeah. see what a difference he makes to that Spezia side because we were mm-hmm. talking a few weeks back where Spezia weren't getting results, who were losing games. Obviously, I think the big one for me was what stands out is when they lost to um, Napoli 3-0 yeah. and you kind of looked at the game and gone, they had chances but there was no one to finish it. They've gotten Zolo back. He yeah. looks assured. He's good. He looks knackered. I don't know if you saw it but by the 85th <laughs> minute I think he was like literally getting cramp in his legs. He yeah, was just yeah. really trying his best because I think he used all his energy when he celebrated that penalty against Andanovic. He went to the crowd um, but Inter, lots of questions about Inzaghi. Does he stay there to the end of season? I'm one of those. I stay on his camp and say he hasn't necessarily been blessed with a lot of funds. It's under he very difficult wins. circumstances. He's, he's basically <laughs> a cup manager, isn't he? He yeah, wins yeah, cups. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. if you're talking about the Scudetto, that's where a lot of doubt is around him. But mm. equally, when you're having to bring on players like Dzeko, with no offence to the guy, but he's not necessarily an advancement on the players that they've got. He's just someone that's a stopgap for two or three seasons max, and then he will retire, right? Um, You can't expect these kind of older players to fill the gaps. I mean, there's a dilemma of Lukaku in the summer. Do they sign him? And it looks like they're probably not going to be able to afford him, let alone try to sign him. Would you sign him after this season? There's no way I'm going anywhere near him after this season. No, I, I do feel... Like a bit like sorry for the guy because I feel like he's had a bad injury. Clearly, it's taken the best part of half a season to get over it. And he's starting to show a little bit of form, but he's still nowhere near the Lukaku that we know from the first And the money you're going to have to pay goals. for him. The money you're going to have to pay for it. It's like, I just think, look, Lukaku, you made a horrific error in going back to Chelsea. It's just, that mm. is going to be the moment where you're in, why did I do Your season, your career was so set. You were going to be a god in Milan. You were going to, yeah. like, and it just, it was such a terrible decision. But I think Inter, the problem is now, yeah, where do they go? They can't afford Lukaku, like you said, even if they wanted to get him. Yeah. If they did pay out for him, they've got rocks in their head. I think, like, it's, 
it's really concerning for Inter now because they do have to next summer they need a big rebuild and they do potentially need a switching manager. They do need someone who like, and they, Inzaghi has done very well to win the Coppa Italia. He's like, you know, they're doing all right in Europe. We'll see how they do tomorrow night, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But I think, because they made it fucking hard work at home, <laughs> but like, we'll see how they do tomorrow night. But I think he's not done a terrible job under very difficult circumstances. But Inter, like, it's really, when you look at the, the Serie A table in general, like, obviously, Napoli have been incredible, right? They've been unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. But it is shocking that the gap is 18 points. It yeah. says so much about every other team. It says so much. And I think Inter have just massively kind of almost wasted this season or like this season has, has yeah. become a waste. Um, and it's a shame, but I think they've got a big, big rebuild in the summer. For Spezia, mm -hmm. we thought they were going to get dragged into it, man. We thought they were going to, like, they were going to be fighting for their lives. They're still, they're now five points ahead of Verona. I think there's still enough of a gap there for them to feel yeah. not completely safe, but, you know, a little bit closer. They've now lost one in their last five, drawn three, and then obviously beaten Inter. It looks like they're turning it around. And as you said, Unzola being in there has made a huge difference. Do you think they can, like, push on now? I, I do. I still stand by, I think, Salonatana, the team that are currently drawing with Milan. As <laughs> drawing against or, Milan. I don't Speaking know how they scored a goal, but yes. Speaking <laughs> of inconsistent teams at the top. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Salonatana, I feel, are going to be the team that gets dragged into it. Um, but that said, I, I still think there's going to be a few more twists and turns in that kind of clash at the bottom of the table. Um but I just, out of the teams that are in there, I don't know which team is consistent enough to get like a run together. Like, obviously, I wasn't expecting Sampdoria to score one goal at Juventus, let alone two. So they did themselves proud, I think. Um, but above that, you've got Cremonese that obviously they've been desperate to try and get a win, let alone anything else. So they managed to get that. I think they're happy, right? And as long as they finish above Sampdoria, they'll be happy. So then you're kind of looking at Hellas Verona. And I think the problem is, they're grinding out results, but like, for example, this weekend probably could do with getting making that a win as opposed to a draw. And this is the problem. You're running out of games now. So do I feel like a team like Spurs are going to stay up? Yeah, I think they've got enough quality. With Dragovsky as well, who put in a man-of-the-match performance as well in this particular match. Yeah, I, I think they're safe. I think they're definitely safe, mate. Good to see. And there are team, there's a lot of teams I like in Serie I love Serie but Spezia I really like because they're punching mm. so massively <laughs> above massively their weight. Yeah. <laughs> like, it is honestly like beyond Cremonese, I think they're the team that are most like punching above their weight. It is insane. Love to mm. see them in there. But we're going to move on from Pazza Inter and um, lovely Spezia, but we're going to go down to. <laughs> A game where, now listeners, if you are avid followers of our Twitter, you'll realize that I saw Juventus go 1 0 up and I switched over to Crufts because I was like, fuck it. <laughs> yes, I'm, just did, gonna go, yeah. I'm just going to go look at some dogs because a King Charles in the final. I have a King Charles and I was like, right, I've got my team. I was shouting at the telly trying to force the dog to watch the screen. She wasn't really getting it. <laughs> um, a fucking idiot. But then all of a sudden, <laughs> I put this tweet up and then Adam was like, no, no, mate, it's 2 2. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, and all of a sudden, we had a game on our hands. Now, this was more like it from Sampdoria. Two goals in two and a half minutes, three and a half minutes. It was a quick one-two yep. to get themselves back in the game. Juventus showing themselves very exposed. And Vlavic had a terrible night all round, showing yes. visible signs of frustration. Um, mm -hmm. We'll get on to Vlavic. First, we should talk about <laughs> Sampdoria. 
Harry Winks had a really good game in midfield, I thought. Yeah, he's had a past few games where he's been quite good, diligent in terms of his play, been trying to be a bit more attacking-minded. I did kind of say on this pod that I felt he was the worst signing of the season. He might be proving me a bit wrong there. He might have been listening to the pod and gone, I'm going to show that. I'll show you guys. completely wrong, (laughs) given the size of him. Um, But yeah, I mean, Sampdoria, (laughs) to be fair, were kind of very unlucky prior to that Juventus goal being scored. Um, Mm -hmm. They had two chances. Gabbiadini had a shot from distance. And then unfortunately, because of how easy it is to slice through this defence, it only took a set play from a corner. And Rabiot, the man there, to score. Sorry, Bremer even first instance. Bremer in my fun calcio score goal. So yes, <laughs> yes you're kind of thinking the worst at that point, Rory. I was actually looking up who has got the least amount of goals to have been relegated in a Serie A season. I tried my Google, it didn't give me an answer, so I had to do the manual job of every season oh, going through the table. So I've got some dedication I'm for gonna, this wait. pod. Can I guess, is it Foggia? I feel like Foggia had a really terrible season in Serie A, but I'm not sure. No, believe it or not, it is closer to home for you, Rory, if that gives you a clue of this particular team. Monza? It was in the 69-70 season. It was Bari with 11 goals. There's a few teams that were on 14 or 16 goals. Um but as a bit of trivia for you, Rory, and those potentially listening to this, do you want to guess who's the team that scored the most goals and to be relegated? Um, if you give us a year, give us a year. I don't know if that gives it away. But if I give you the goals total, 71. Okay. Bloody hell. Oh, Juve when they got relegated, no? <laughs> of course it was. Yeah, but that's such a good, good quiz. <laughs> That's why I thought if I mention the year, you guess it straight away. No, that's quality. Um, that's quality. But yeah, that was a really funny one. When I looked at that, I was like, they've got that wrong. No, they did. They did get relegated. They did yes, get relegated they did. that year. They did get relegated. Yeah. Um, but yeah, back to this game. So Rabio scores from that set play. Good cross by Miretti. And you're mm-hmm. thinking, right, there's going to be more in this game. Uh, Vlaovic looks frustrated, even at that point, before he has the second half performance. But as we talked about, Aguilero, Aguilero even, sorry, reduced the deficits from a cross that kind of deflected, went into mm-hmm. his path, and he superbly passed it. Perian, and then a minute later, down the wing, Zaniolo, Zanioli, who is on loan from Napoli, crosses in for Juric, and Juric passes it into the net. You see the Sampdoria fans loving the moment in that corner of the stadium. And that halftime whistle was delightful, Rory, because the amount of booze <laughs> for that particular team, Juventus in particular, yeah. <clears throat> was incredible. I thought the atmosphere was very flat overall across the match. Um, it always is. Half, the atmosphere is such a strange atmosphere. Bloody terrible, it's honestly. Strange one. It's I. I always I. I was trying to think about like because I thought the same. I was like, it's so flat. No wonder the players don't give a shit. Like <laughs> it. I was trying to think of a game where the atmosphere was amazing in that stadium. I think the only one I can think of is the game where Ronaldo scored that overhead kick. Um, mm, was it against? Yeah, I can't yeah. remember. It was against now. Was it Real Madrid? Wasn't it? Was it, Madrid, wasn't it? Real, it was Real Madrid, that? wasn't it? That was yeah. the one game where I remember it being like 
bloody hell, the atmosphere in here is pretty popping. Like, mm. I don't think it was... It's not a great stadium. They can barely fill it. The atmosphere is pretty terrible. Um, but it matches the football on the pitch, right? Because, Jesus yeah. Christ, they were awful. And if Sampdoria weren't a team so low in confidence and able <laughs> yeah. to shit so many goals, I think Juve lose that game. But there were a few players that impressed me before we got onto Blavich. I really, really was impressed by Rincon in midfield. The guy's 37 yeah. and he was absolutely running <laughs> about, destroying everything. I thought by the 85th minute they took him off and he yeah. was like hobbling Hoffing. off. Like, <laughs> he'd put a proper shift in. I was yeah. well impressed by him. Um, Harry Winks, I thought, did really well. Um, the guy you mentioned from Napoli, Zagnoli, another exciting player that Napoli could next year be going, okay, we've got someone else to bring in. Yeah, exactly. um, I thought he looked really, really good. And the young midfielder they brought on. Now, they, the guy they replaced Rincon with, and I'm going to get his name because he's only 18, 19. Just bear me one second, listeners. Um, they brought him on quite late on. His name was um, Malagrida, Lorenzo Malagrida. Now, he's only 19 years old. And the first thing he did, his first touch was like a back heel between, like, between two midfielders to buy himself yeah. space. And I was like, damn. This guy's not short of confidence, and technically, he looked really good. I was like, he mm. was a player. I was like, if Sampdoria are going to be in Serie B next year, he could be a player Keep that they him. kind of look at yeah. and be like, okay, here we go. There's signs of promise in that team. I honestly was really, really impressed by him, so I think could be a name to keep an eye on there. Um, promising youngsters, um, not working out, Vlavic. What has happened there? Now, the penalty miss... You know, like when he's just one of those players and you can just tell, you can just tell yeah. the weight of the world is on his shoulders. And the second it bounced off the post, his head went, his head just completely yeah. went. He then missed another two chances. I think yeah. the the one immediately after the penalty, he started punching the ground and was like mm. screaming. And after that, I would just thought, all I thought was Allegri get him off. Just yeah. like, I know it would have been brutal, like, I, I don't know, would it have been, like, do you think it would have been worse to take him off on a bad night and everyone be like, oh, he's had a shite night, he's had to take him off? Or do you think it's worse to leave him out there as these misses keep coming past? It just felt like just get him off and just let him put this night yeah. behind him because it really wasn't good to watch. Yeah, it's not great if you come off the pitch and you can't score past Sampdoria, right? That that's that's the problem <laughs> you've got now. Is that must be frustrating. He's been, he's been that poor that he couldn't score past Sampdoria even from the penalty spot. Um, bless him, he did try even from a free kick, but even the free kick was terrible. Um, he, he's just a player that's shot of confidence at the moment, yeah. and it doesn't help the system that he plays because that's not his natural game. I, I do feel there's certain games where it seemed to work well. Salernitana a few weeks back, where he's won mm -hmm. two 0 and he seemed to have a commanding kind of finish for that game. But unfortunately, on this occasion, he's just been a bit short of confidence. And yeah, I think, like you say, I think the best thing to do is just leave him out of the squad. Unfortunately, I think the problem is. In an ideal world, Allegri puts Milik into that squad. He probably doesn't put Vlavic mm -hmm. to start this match. You've got Moses Kane, who was obviously, unfortunately, suspended after that Roma incident. Of course. Um, so, yeah, he had little choice but to play him, unfortunately, on this occasion. But, yeah. but, I also think, but I also think if you're a manager, you look at Sampdoria at home and you go, right, I'm starting this guy because he's going to score against Sampdoria. If I, can't store, if I can't start him against Sampdoria at home, 
when can I start him, right? I think yeah. this is a game where Allegri is definitely expecting him to get that chip off his shoulder or that monkey off his back, whatever phrase you want to use. But I yeah, think exactly. like it, it just felt like instantly, I was like, just get him off, get him off, because he's gone. He's completely gone. And I think what what he needs now is a, a coach that's able to tell him that, you know, you've got time. You're going to mm. start every game. No matter what happens you are going to be the We're striker, whether you score or not. Just take that pressure off him a bit because you can see the pressure is absolutely piled on him at the minute. Um, but Juve do get the win and they get it through fairly contentious circumstances. We've mm-hmm. not even talked about it yet. The yeah. Rabio winner, absolutely, like, I cannot believe this one. I watched it. I was like, oh, it's handball. It's handball. Yeah, there, yeah, there, yeah. there it is. There it is. It's handball. Oh, no, they've given it. Right. What the fuck happened there? What the fuck happened It's basically the VAR in the Allianz Stadium doesn't work. It hasn't been working for Juventus issues. It doesn't work on this issue. I mean, how much more blatant does it have to be? Yeah. Um, it's so funny, though, Rory, seeing all the Juventus fans defend it to the oh, hill. Yeah, wow. Kind of like they're saying, that's not <laughs> They've handball. defended worse. Like, Don't worry about uh, that. They probably have. They probably have. <laughs> But that was so obvious. It's like, if that's not a hand, like someone, I think it was Nima Tavali of the Italian podcast, he said, what was he using his neck there? Well, like, like, like it's just so stupid because that was so clearly a basically handball. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. like you, my natural reaction was, we'll just get the replay. It'll be declared off or handball and they'll just be basically a Sampdoria free kick. And even the Sampdoria players, I felt for them because at that point <laughs> they were struggling. You, they were so on. struggling. They were struggling. <laughs> it doesn't help when you've got Manuel or Gabbiadini up front. But yeah, I mean, this is a problem that Sam have. They just don't have the squad that can base. No, but you just you must just up. feel like like you. I, I wouldn't be able to help myself and turn around to the referee and just be like, "Give us a chance, mate. Come on!" Like <laughs> we've you you've seen where we are. You've seen what's yeah. going on. We're way to Juventus. We're actually playing well for once. We're actually look at us. We're doing well, and now you're <laughs> giving a goal that should not. Like who the what the fuck are you doing? Like you're just you're trying to stop breaking my balls. Like it's just. In, I honestly I could not believe it. I was just sat going, "Oh, okay, good. Yeah, yeah, that's handball. Sweet. Okay, get a free kick." Like you said, yeah. Goal to Juventus. It was a very nice finish from Rabiot. It was a very nice finish from him. He's having an incredible season. That guy plays for a contract, right? He absolutely plays for a contract. But it should never have been a goal. Juve get the win. It puts them now. They're definitely creeping up. They're definitely creeping up. Um, They are only four points behind Atalanta, who haven't won in bloody five games. games. You can see it. They're going to overtake Atalanta at this rate. And they'll have their 15 points reinstated because they're going on this technicality issue now. So that's just bullshit, isn't it, in itself? So it's just like, oh, here we go. The circus continues. They're always (laughs) bloody there. But... Yes, they will be in Europe. They'll, they'll, they'll get European football next year. It's pretty much certain. Um, Milan, I think it's just finished. Yeah, one all at home to Salernitana. Jesus Christ. Um, Olivier Giroud scoring in the 46th minute just for half time. Boulay Dia, um, one of the very good players for Salernitana this year, gets another goal. Um, just while we're talking about Giroud, very quickly, did you see the video of Giroud? And his <laughs> it older is, brother? Yes. <laughs> it was unbelievable. I thought it was his dad, to be fair. <laughs> it was just so funny. I saw but, someone yeah. retweet it with, 
Um, Giroud's got a message from the version of himself from The Last of Us, which made me laugh <laughs> quite a lot. Um, it is, they look exactly the same, except Giroud hasn't done personal grooming for a while. It's insane how similar they look. I also saw the other comment, which was, wow, his mum's jeans didn't even put up a fight, which I really enjoyed. Um, they look exactly, it's just incredible. Really, It's a really heartfelt, beautiful video about this older brother saying how proud he is of his little brother but it was just completely dominated by how they look exactly the same um I'm surprised they didn't nice. put like a doctor who tardis in the middle of the yeah. as well. <laughs> it was incredible um we do also need to vary any other games in Serie A. we need to talk about fiorentina uh, to cremonese nil um cabral getting another goal he's finding his goal scoring yeah, boots putting in an absolute shift for fiorentina and icone is a player who's also always shown a little bit of promise, but he's starting to become a bit more dangerous, a bit more of a threat consistently for Fiorentina. That is great to see. Um, any games you want to talk about? We want to talk Serie B as well, but any other Serie A games we you do, want to talk about? Um, but Napoli, obviously back to winning ways. Of 2-0 here. Kvarat back. Incredible, incredible finish. That amazing oh, little run. It was yeah. just, if there was a time and a place, that was the time and the place. Yeah. Um, just incredible finish. And then Rakumani just to conceal it. And Atalanta, obviously, massively not really performing at the moment, Rory. Um, do we think this wobble continues now? I feel like it's starting to become a, a, the wobble is getting out of control, right? As I said, they've not won in four now, and like they've lost three of them. Like it's, and I think that, like, I think that off the top of my head, they've had a fairly tough run of fixtures. They've had Milan away, Udinese at home, you have to win. Napoli yeah. away, okay, that's rough. They lost at home to Lecce, which is such a massive fucking loss. Before that, they lost to Lazio. Uh, no, they beat Lazio before that. Like, I don't know. I I so think this wobble's starting to get a bit, bit out of control. What's good for them is now they've got three games that could be winnable. Empoli at home, Cremonese away, and Bologna at home. A little bit more winnable before it starts getting tough again. So this is a time for Atlanta to kind of turn it around. But it it's not been pretty viewing from then. Um, that Cavara goal was just absolutely beautiful. I just wanted to hear that, like as the guy just slipped past him <laughs> and then slipped past him again, like, yeah. like comedy noises because he just absolutely did two of them twice. Um, beautiful finish, great to see him back. Uh, Napoli it was never going to last long, was it? All I want no. is Osman to start scoring again because I'm. My lead at the top of Fanta Calcio is slipping, guys. It's, it was 10 points, and now it's like six. I'm like, guys, wake up, please, Napoli. Yeah. Um, I need Osman <laughs> to be waking up. But um, we wanted to do a little bit of Serie B. Adam, yep. tell us, Serie B, big weekend. Well, I was meant to kind of raise it on Thursday's show. It did slip my mind, but Bari had an incredible game against Frosinone. Frosinone, who are top of Serie B, but obviously... With Bari, they are trying to gun themselves into the automatic places. They are having to fight this battle with Genoa at the moment. And going into this game, obviously, was never going to be easy. you got Fabio Grosso, who is leading Frosinone mm -hmm. at the moment. And it was a nil-nil draw. So not a bad result for Bari by all stretch of imagination. Absolutely However... Genoa did win their game against mm. Tanana 1-0, so that puts them in prime position 
it feels like it's going to be between those two to get that automatic place. However, it is spicing up even into the playoff mix as well at the moment, Rory. Um, I mean, you've got teams like Palmer in that mix at the moment. Calgary, who had a fantastic result on Friday night. They won 4-1. I'm trying to get that game who they were playing. Um, it was Ascoli. Um, but yeah, you even got Palermo, who uh, obviously is a romantic feeling about Palermo, mm -hmm. right? Um, they're just outside of that mix as it currently stands. Um, but obviously, uh, on a points point of view, it's going to be between them and potentially Palma and Calgary. Regina, who were doing quite well up until a point, they've slipped massively down yeah. that kind of table. They were at one point top of the table. Um, but unfortunately, it has slipped their kind of sides. Pisa, Sotorello as well, they're doing quite well. Um, so, yeah, it's quite a mix. And then obviously at the bottom, you got the team that I'm wearing, Rory, Brescia, bottom. Smash right down bottom there. At the moment, they are going as it stands to the Serie C. But then you've got Spal, Benevento, who were bottom a few weeks ago. They're pulling themselves up. And Venezia and Perugia still in that mix alongside Cosenza. Cosenza, the team that I mentioned at the beginning of the show, got that important win against Spal and obviously pulling themselves out of that mess at the moment. But yeah. How is it in the household, Rory? Because I know there's a big bar in that house. It's getting tense. And the thing is, because like the whole season, I've been saying to Tiz, like, look, Bani will get playoffs. They'll get playoffs. Like, um, even when they got promoted from Serie C, I said it. I was like, they are, they have a chance mm. of pushing their way straight through because I think they've got momentum, they've got the money, they've got like the backing, everything's kind of there. I didn't expect them to be pushing for automatic spots and they genuinely are. I think they're a team yeah. that even if they got to Serie A with a few additions, they wouldn't They wouldn't be a Cremonese, if you know what I mean. No, I think, I they think would, they'd like, be I slightly think, higher. Yeah. yeah, I think they'd be doing all right. The big thing is, Adam, the last game of the season is Genoa versus Bari in Genoa. It's going to be <laughs> absolutely massive. And Ooh. already I'm thinking... Oh, Genoa's only an hour away, only two hours away. Get a cheeky little ticket for that one. It'd be interesting. Um, but yeah. I think, yeah, it's getting a little bit tense. Like, basically, the, the missus has said she doesn't want to go to the San Siro un until she can watch Bardi at the San Siro. So I'm like, okay, right. right. The first game's going to be Bardi, and we're going to go in with the Bardi fans and get treated like shit for two hours. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> but, yeah, it will be – I really hope they make it. Honestly, I really hope they make it. Um it would be so great to see in Serie A. And like, there's a great yeah. account that's a Bardi fan that I'm going to shout out on Twitter because I kind of retweet his stuff every so often. He's a, if you can read Italian or you've got a translate tool on your phone, he's a pretty good follow. He's a very good follow, in fact. Um, and I'm just going to get his name. It is Gatsismo, um, and it's at Gatsismo, double Z-I-S-M-O. And he retweeted a video today, just Bongiorno, with a full San Nicola Stadio, and the atmosphere is mm. just unbelievable it looks like a spaceship that's just landed in the south of italy it's yeah. so incongruous but it just looks incredible and just watching that video i was like i really really want to go there for a Serie A game mm. it would be amazing it would be amazing fingers exactly. crossed fingers exactly. crossed um but we do very quickly we've got five minutes um we need to do a bit of champions league preview we do have champions league this week we do, and yes. we've gonna start with the italian team we're gonna start with inter Away to Porto. Adam, how do you feel this one's going to go? 
I don't know. I really don't know what to expect because Inter, obviously the form that they're in, the way they're playing at the moment, I think it could be a win for Porto as it mm -hmm. currently stands. However, if you think about how they played in the first leg, Inter probably just about deserved it. Obviously, they just about got that 1-0 win courtesy of Lukaku in the 80th minute. Um, I really don't know where this game is going to go, um, but it's going to be a hell of a tense game. That's all I can say. There's already been a little bit of a kind of um, piece by the social media account at Porto kind of <laughs> making so out good. into fans as like pizza uh, spinners, essentially. So good. So, Yes. If you don't see it, it's an Italian chef falling over with a pizza and then all the <laughs> yeah. Porto all the Porto players staring at him with like red eyes. With it's Terminator such a weird eyes, image. Such a <laughs> yeah. weird image, but absolutely genius. Absolutely genius. No, I think you're right. I think Inter are gonna make really fucking hard work of this. I really hope they get through because I want another Champions League night in the San Siro, but I think Porto can nick this. Sorry, Inter fans, I really don't think it's going to go well. Um, that is, of course, uh, this evening, as you guys are listening, uh, 9 o'clock yes. kickoff in Europe, and we have Man City against Leipzig. 1-1, uh, heading into the mm. Etihad. Do you think Leipzig can pull off a surprise here? No. No, I, no, I can't see not. it. I, I think they will give them a bit of a scare if Man City don't kind of have the same intensity as they've been displaying. But I think it's going to be straightforward if they can take the chances, which we have kind of summarised in the kind of Premier League section. They are creating chances. That's the most important thing. So hmm. let's see what happens. But I feel Man City probably have enough against this RB Leipzig side. Definitely, Rory. I think I agree. Then on Wednesday, we have Napoli taking on Eintracht Frankfurt. 2-0 to the pattern of Pei. Mm. Um, Napoli kind of back in back in form in Serie A. Back for those wins. Yeah. Win. Um, how do you see it going? I think it's going to be an easy victory for Napoli. Probably helped by the fact that there's no Frankfurt fans in the stadium as well, because that's mm. the Italian ministry that have decided not to give the tickets to the Frankfurt fans. Admittedly, Frankfurt fans do have a bit of a reputation, shall we say. They displayed it earlier anyway. in the Champions League yeah, against yeah. Marseille where their fans clashed. So, yeah, obviously it's probably a decision wisely made. Um, but, yeah, regardless, from a footballing point of view, I think because of the first leg, that really takes it out on Frankfurt. Frankfurt really have to make a game of this. I cannot see Spalletti making it too open especially mm. in this first, second leg. I think they go into half-time, and as long as they're level, then I think it's fairly straightforward. And the talent that, say, Napoli have from the bench, let alone in their first 11, they've probably got enough to see this game through. So I think Napoli are comfortable in this game. Nice. And then the big question on everybody's lips, are Liverpool going to come back in the Bernabeu? <laughs> Do you see it happening? I think... If they hadn't played Bournemouth in the meantime, I'd be going, yeah, I fancy it. But now, all of a sudden, I can't see it. What do you think? I think what you'll see is there'll be a replay, if you remember, of what Chelsea did when they had to go into that game and score goals. If you remember rightly, mm -hmm. they'll get pegs back immediately through Benzema and a Modric com combination or something yeah. along those lines, Rodrigo or whoever it is. Um, but yeah, I, you can imagine Ancelotti's going to be really calm on the sidelines, smoking his cigarette, ready for this to happen, yeah. ready to go 1-0 behind, and then they'll pay them back. Even if they go 2-0 behind, I think they're still comfortable. 
it is in Madrid. I think that's the only yeah. unfortunate thing. If this was at Anfield, I could maybe see Liverpool having a chance. But mm. unfortunately, I think with the quality that Real Madrid have, they're a bit more experts when it comes to these scenarios. And they always also, they seem to have a good record against Liverpool. I don't know what it is, but they seemingly seem to have this impressive record where they never seem to get beaten by them. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, I think that's another notch in the favour of Real Madrid. How about you? Yeah, it's a big ask, isn't it? It's a big ask. I think I can't really see it happening. I think Liverpool will put up a fight. I think you're right. They could go in the lead, but I think it will ultimately be too big an ask. We are going to very, 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 very quickly go to the Cool Kids Club as we talk (laughs) about Europa League. Very quickly, Manchester United taking on Betis. That's 4-1. You'd expect United Mm. to go through that one. Um, Roma going away to Real Sociedad is quite an intriguing one, but I would expect the Jalorossi to get through that one. Mm -hmm. We, of course, have the Union versus Union off um, in a three-all draw. Yeah, exactly. She's getting ready again. (laughs) She's 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 getting prepared. Um, a three-all draw that hopefully will be as, as exciting as the other one. Very quickly as well, Boniface, um, who got two in the first leg, is another very exciting Nigerian striker that you should be keeping mm-hmm. an eye on. He's going to be in bigger league soon. And we have Arsenal taking on Sport in Lisbon. Two all there. Um, at the Emirates, hopefully Arsenal can get the job done. For Juventus, they are going away to Germany. Currently 1-0 up. We've seen them struggle against Sampdoria. They'll be hoping they can get the job done in Freiburg. I think that could be the upset of the round. What do you think? Yeah, potentially. Potentially. I, I think Freiburg are a team that you shouldn't take lightly. Uh, they've been very good early part of the season. They were threatening to be in that kind of top four mix and they still have a chance to be in the Champions League places as it currently stands. Um, definitely a f- team that you shouldn't really be going in there with just a 1-0 lead, should we say. I think Juventus will be kicking themselves that they didn't score more goals in this one. Um, and probably in typical fashion, we won't see Paul Pogba appear for this match either. So, um, yes, I think it's going on the cards that they will lose this game. He did do a really interesting Instagram post today, which was him. And then, like, it was for it was um, Allah doesn't burden you with more more challenges than you can face. Was basically the thing. Right. And I I appreciate the sentiment. Really beautiful. Yeah, yeah. No, like you know, religion's important to him. What really annoyed me a little bit was that the style of the message was like the thing that iPhone comes up. <laughs> it was like you know an iPhone message where it like ask you for your fingerprint or whatever. It yeah. was like that kind of format. I was like, right. Okay. It, it, I don't know. It just didn't. It felt not not fit, not befitting of a religious text. I'm not a religious person. It just felt a bit weird. Um, but anyway, beyond my feelings towards religion, um, we're going to go to the even cooler kids club in the Conference League, as we do have to discuss very very quickly um, the games that I'm looking at here. Uh, Shak Shahir one, Ghent one. That's pretty close. Mm-hmm. Slovan Bratislava 2, Basel 2. But the game we're all thinking about before we get to the Italian teams, Jurgarden nil, Lech Poznan 2. How are we yeah. feeling about it, Adam? Well, there's a lot of high hopes in Poland at the moment. They feel if they can just make sure they concede very early on as well, they stand a chance. But there is a... I did see a bit of the highlights after our Thursday show. Maciej Skora, who is a Polish international. He's a young kid. Um, he did some incredible moves in this particular match. He'll be a marked man in this particular game. So I think that that helps that dynamic 
clearly Jew Gardens will probably make sure someone's man marking him at all times, which might help Poznan go through. But also Ishak, who is the Swedish striker, he's getting a bit of a rapport and reports in Sweden that they might be tempted to take him into the international side based on his performances. So yes, there's a fantastic story there as well, because he had offers from Qatar and he declined them to stay at Lech and he decided to print out the email and have it framed in a frame at home. So he says one day I will go and see that. So yes, I'd love it if they could progress. Let's see what happens though. Let's see what Fingers happens. crossed. The Italian contingency we have, Fiorentina going away to Turkey with a 1-0 lead. Now, that's going to be a test. Um, we know that Turkey's a tough place to go to. That could be an intimidating one. And Lazio <laughs> go away to <laughs> oh, Yes, If they'd have lost away, it wouldn't be too bad. But losing at home is such a shit result. They've now oh. got to go to AZ Altmar. I think they go out. What do you think? I think so, purely because I think Sari just basically sees it as an opportunity to consolidate and focus on that top four finish mm. for Lazio. Personally, that's what I said. I said it to Alfredo, who we had on the show a, f- a mm. few episodes ago. Um, but yeah, I, I feel that's the way he's going to play it. I can't see him taking it seriously. Even by the virtue, I don't know if you saw the little clip of him smoking on the sidelines whilst the other guys were training. That's kind of summarises Sari. Yeah, he's got a yeah. very laissez-faire attitude to this all. So uh, let's wait and see. We will see. And then finally, West Ham 2, AEK Larnaca 0. Heading into that, West Ham could, despite having a pretty miserable season, could mm. actually push quite far in this competition. I hope they do. It'll be nice um, to see if they can win it. I think they've genuinely got yeah, a shout if they definitely. can get a bit of a run together. So it would be good to see them go through there and continue that lovely run. Guys, we are five minutes over our time. Can you imagine? I apologise. Um, we are going to say farewell right now. Farewell. Yes. Um, Adam, anything to say before we go? Just keep your eyes peeled for Wednesday. We have got a fantastic episode lined up. Um, Just to introduce him, this guest has basically coached for the likes of Arrigo Saki, Fabio Capello, also Trapattoni, where he got his first bite into coaching. He's got some fascinating stories. I won't spoil it, but you definitely have to listen to it. That is some Italian royalty you've just dropped there. Italian football in royalty. Guys, Wednesday, keep an eye on the social media. It all will be revealed. Um, Mm -hmm. As always, thank you for joining us. Um, Follow us on Twitter at ItalianAngloPod, on Instagram at AngloItalianPod. Like and subscribe down here. Tell your friends. Also, give us a rating on any of your apps. Whatever app you're listening to, can you do me a favor right now? Just go on the episode thing, find where it says rating, and just put five stars, because why not, right? And then if if you've got a bit of time, just... Put a little bit, bit of description, even if it's like, I don't know, call me a dickhead. Just put a description <laughs> in a rate in a five Just five stars. Star. Make five, sure it's five stars. Five stars is the key bit. Um, but thank you for joining us, guys. We will see you on Friday morning. We'll see you on Wednesday, then Friday morning. Yes. Um, such a smooth ending. Uh, bye, guys. <laughs> bye. Ciao, ciao. Podcast Network.